I remember drawing some comics with a friend who wrote them when I was 14. And like the guy who ran our local shop was like, man, your storytelling is like pretty good for, you know, you basically being a little kid. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I have to imagine that that probably had a lot to do with it uh, on a subconscious yeah. level. I, I wish I played with them a little bit more. Maybe I'd be even better at drawing comics. Hey, welcome. I've been spending time this week with villains and bad guys. Uh, not my personal life. I've, I've left those days behind. But uh, in the book, as I've mentioned before, writing a whole bunch of new settings and new characters. And this week, I've spent a lot of it with the, the villains uh, of my series, which has been great because I'm able to pull back so much that I've been keeping behind for the reader. And now I'm giving the reader a heads up as to what's going on um, from different point of views throughout this epic letting the characters be behind for a change, which is fun to do. Earlier in the week, I was writing with the core villains, or at least who we think are the villains in the story, who at least have done the villainous acts and uh, getting to see them in a personal manner. And, you know, I framed my sort of chief villain in a way that, I'm really going to challenge the readers not to fall in love with this character, giving him all of the sort of the rights for his actions. So I don't know. It's going to be kind of a great ride for the readers. So it's been not super fast progress because I'm making all this new stuff up and having to make sure that it still fits within what I want to do. But boy, man, they've been going in directions I wasn't anticipating and super super exciting so i really can't wait for this stuff to come out i mean this you know <laughs> books take a long time if you end up being one of my beta readers you'll get an earlier sneak at it so that'll be a good thing so there's my encouragement so uh somehow sidle up to me in the uh interworld or however it is and uh and maybe you too can become a beta reader for ghost wing this week's guest is gavin goodry He's been drawing comics for seven years and, you know, as he put it, he's an overnight sensation um, to be sensationalized, I guess, this year. I don't know. We'll see. But he's pretty excited. He's uh, he refers throughout the podcast to this and project and he's not naming it because he's not allowed to name it yet. So I really recommend you finding him um, not finding him, just go into the description and, uh, follow him on Twitter or Instagram and, um, wait for his announcement because it's a pretty good one. I mean, he, he's got a really nice project coming up and I'm really excited for him, but yeah, this year, his first works for Marvel and DC are coming out, which is such a great benchmark. If your goal is to be drawing for the big two and, um, I couldn't be happier for him. It's a wonderful, wonderful time for him. And it's a great feeling. I, I, I know so well. Yeah. And then tomorrow, the 19th, his first published work on the stands from Marvel 
Extreme Venomverse number five. So check it out. This is me and Gavin Goodry. And I just got back from a walk. It is 92 degrees outside, but the heat index is 102 uh, because the humidity is like 65%. So it's like, as soon as I opened the door, I was like, like it hit me. And I was like, I don't know, but I just, I, I had like a, not a mental health crisis, but I had like a really bad anxiety breakdown for the first time ever um, last summer. And part of what I did to help mentally was to start going for walks and it helped me lose a bunch of weight too. So I'm trying to be better about it. The last few weeks I've kind of fallen off. So I'm like, no, I need to just like get Mm -hmm. in and go. Um, And part of why I fell off initially was that it was just like, we had that, I don't know if you saw it, but maybe two weeks ago, Texas and Louisiana were like, don't go outside for long. Just don't do it. You're going to like, it's bad. Um, So that was my initial reason for not going. And then it just turned into like, you know, five days with the warning, I didn't go. But then day six, seven, and eight, I just didn't really go. And so I've only gone like once or twice here or there the last week or so. So I'm trying to like, no, just just go. Just yeah. go. It's first off, I think, you know, you know, good on you because the the actual act of walking is there there's like just evidence after evidence of how beneficial it is for our mental health. There's mm-hmm. this action in what's called, you know, brachiation, you know, our style of, mm-hmm. of, of mobility. And that there, there's just this connection to, I don't, I think it's just us being human. Like we are creatures of mobility and to activate that, I think it just allows our mind to process things not in a conscious fashion, but in a subconscious fashion. Yeah. I really like, I find even, you know, it was last summer that I was doing it. So it was hot, but even just like getting, getting sweaty, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't like fun per se, but there was, there was joy in it of like, okay, well I did something to get sweaty. I felt good about that. And then like taking in the neighborhood, you know, even though I'm walking like the same three or four different paths through the streets, um, is nice and and you know putting on a podcast and just or or actually i was just listening to one of your episodes um or put on music and just kind of going mm-hmm. um popping the kids in a little we have a radio flyer wagon that has like a stroller handle too instead of just a pull handle so you can push yeah. so loading their butts up in the wagon and, and going it's it's been great um it's been great and i mean like i was at my heaviest, I got, to, I'm, I'm over six foot, so I'm not, you know, I'm tall, but, um, at my heaviest, I got to 270. Uh, oh, wow. okay. and, and I mean, like I got married 10 years ago at like 180. So it, you know, it had just been like 10 years of just mm-hmm. slowly gaining. And I was super skinny all my, all my childhood and adolescence. Um, and then last summer I was 250. And then I've, I've gotten down to 215. I'm probably around 220 right now, but it's just like all of it was really being smarter about eating and just walking. Like I haven't yeah. even tried that hard. It's just that much of a difference in comparison to sitting at the table. You know, at the time I was doing two books. So I was literally like nine to nine, give or take, like mm-hmm. almost like seven days a week, most weeks. So it was just really not a good balance at all. I mean, no. I needed to be doing it 
on the one hand. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it was a worthwhile thing to try to keep up, but I hit a snafu with the aftershock, uh, of it all, yeah. uh, combined with my work schedule. And it just, it freaking threw a whole wrench in my system. Like I'm still dealing with some stuff that's like, like I have acid reflux now and I never, I mean, obviously I'm a little bit older too, but like mm-hmm. I literally went from never having it to because of the anxiety that I had for over a week, I barely ate yeah. and my stomach was like, this isn't great. And ever since then, it's just been like trying to get it, you know, as close mm-hmm. to where it was beforehand while hopefully not gaining weight again on the way back. It's so, t- it's, it's so tough. It's so tough maintaining this magical balance that we all know where we want to feel like it's this and it's not like we need to look and feel like brad pitt you know it's this we just like i i go through these bouts of like like nearly a week and i'll feel full all the Mm -hmm. time even when i sit down to have breakfast or any of the meal of the week and it is so uncomfortable to eat because i feel full and when i'm when i'm what i feel is over full i i'm so tense and uncomfortable and you know i don't really have an idea how to like isolate it like what is the cause of it because i'm not overeating we 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 eat really we cook all our meals from scratch like it's a very sort of healthy approach to things but i i can't figure it out but it drives me nuts and it makes me crazy yeah yeah i got to a point so i'm i'm a big eater i love it it's just the best Um, it is. And I think, and part of why I gained weight was just that, you know, my whole life, my metabolism was so fast, um, that I could just eat for the enjoyment of it and never have a problem. Um, and then that translated to once my metabolism slowed down, just not being good about portions. Mm -hmm. Um, but I got to a point once I did start to lose weight and I kind of dialed back a bit, whenever I will kind of push it now, I feel like, garbage um so it's gotten like a good warning light in my body of like no man this is just not fun like i just don't like that like like i don't want to move feeling i don't like that at all um so it's gotten it's made it a lot easier on me hopefully now to not be like a part of the clean play club or whatever but you know i grew (laughs) up i grew up in a food culture um you know uh in the the south in general is bad about it but like louisiana i mean I've lived within, yeah, I've lived <laughs> within 40 minutes of New Orleans almost my entire life. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, and I'm, I've got Sicilian heritage and I'm, I'm super Cajun uh, family wise. Um, so the type of food we had at home was always, you know, really rich and just, mm-hmm. ugh, I still love it, but <laughs> man, it definitely, I think led to some unhealthy habits. Yeah. Uh, and you, you add that together with like the slight workaholism that I think every single comic creator has a, at a base level is a little mm. bit of a workaholic at the least. And it's just, you know, and, and I think a lot of people now are starting to learn too with other jobs who work from home is if you don't have like a nine to five schedule, especially if you don't leave your house, it's those lines are so blurred mm-hmm. that it's almost impossible to really ever take time like off, you know, yep. you're off all the time. Um, and, and there's so many times where I'm like, no, I'm not going to work today. And then like two hours will pass by and we'll just be hanging on the couch, not doing the thing. And it's like, well, I could be, I could be drawn. Yeah. 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 I oh, could be oh. being productive right now. I dude, man, that, that, that reminds me so much of when I first felt that sensation was in college. Mm-hmm. So 
I remember like being out with friends, girlfriends, like being out and going, I, I probably like, I should probably be back in my dorm room drawing. Like I should be back there drawing. I should be working because all I could see was this prize of mm-hmm. getting hired by Marvel or DC and, you know, and becoming what I thought was the end all be all, which was to be a penciler for a comic book company. And then you get to be a penciler for a comic book company. And it's like, your whole job is trying to get more work <laughs> on right. top of like, yeah. so on top of the work that you have to do, and then I would go out with friends and all I would do was think I should be back in my apartment at my desk drawing. And yeah. it was this terrible cycle. Yeah. It's like, um, if I'm not able to just kind of shark brain my way through some stuff sometimes and just keep my head down and just enjoy the moment of whatever's going on. As soon as there's kind of a lull that pulls me out of it, there's a lot of moments where it's like, oh man, I'm not doing anything. Mm. Like, you know, Zelda has been great. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom has been great because it's been like a nice regular escape every day for the you know last two and a half weeks or so, three weeks where my wife and I both got, we got two copies. Um, so that she could be playing and I'll hear her while I'm back here. Like, I'll be <laughs> so like, I'll have a lull in whatever I'm watching. So I get a little quiet and then I'll hear like, hey, and I'm like, Oh man, I want to play. Um, so then, but oh, I no. could just, yeah, I could just get off work. I can grab my switch and we can sit down in the living room and play. And the kids are hanging out, you know, coloring or on tablets or, or even watching us. Cause they'll both get, they'll all get sucked into it. Yeah. Um, well, except for the little one, she's just tornado. Um, but that's been a great, like activity that is solely away from, it's completely, uh, cordoned off from work. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's no connection whatsoever. Um, and that's been great Yeah. because I'll tell you what, there's a lot of times where like, we're just watching some random TV show that, you know, like my wife likes reality TV. And, uh, so we'll be watching something or we'll be watching them with the kids. Uh, that's a kid's show. And, you know, two or three episodes in, you're kind of like, I've just been sitting here for, (laughs) you know, for an hour, you know, three 22 minute episodes, just doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that now. Like if my wife is off doing something, she like this week, she's away um, at an Irish um, music thing and I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm here, you know unsupervised and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to watch, you know, like I, I sit down and whenever I'm unsupervised, I'm like, Oh, I can sit and watch a movie and mm-hmm. I will go and I will look at the movies and a lot of the newer stuff I'm not as interested in. And then I look at like, Oh, I've, I've seen that before. And do I want to spend an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours of my time doing that? Maybe, maybe I could do something else. And I find myself not watching the movie mm-hmm. because I'm like, I, I, I probably should be doing something else. And more often, I probably should be just watching the movie and let myself, let my mind yeah, relax. Yeah, decompress a little bit. And yeah, she she gets on my ass, man, about um, you know, because I because I write, and when I'm, you know, when I get in like these things where I have to do a draft, which is like a revi- you know a revision draft in my book, or if I'm, you know, drafting a first draft, which I'm doing now, you know, she'll just be like you know, you, you got to get out of story world. Like you need mm-hmm. to get out of there so you can be with me or do the thing you need to do. That's not there because it, it, it becomes all consuming. Yeah. I think, I think the, the hardest part 
I mean, don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of difficult parts about trying to attain this weird job. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you know, you can't just fill out an application. You got to kind of build it. Um, so there's been a lot of difficult things, components to it. But one of the hardest things I think has been my wife, the, the amount of time she's like, I just want like us time. Can you like just be available right. for me? Because it yeah. feels like you've just been working, 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 working. And there's never, and it's that thing that you kind of learn as you get older too. Um, that, you know, when you focus on attaining one thing, you build it up as being the thing and then you get to it. And then, well, now it's the next thing. And then now yeah. it's the next thing. So really the mm-hmm. grind never stops. Right. Right. You it's conditional yourself into thinking uh-huh. like once I get to this spot, so, you know, yeah, and, once I lose I 20 pounds, then I can ask that girl out. <laughs> right. right. I said, she's right. going to be interested in doing that point. You know, like it's like, yeah, it's, you know, be yourself. And well, I definitely so, still have some parts of it, you know, like I'm getting yeah. bigger and bigger jobs now and that's exciting, but it's also like, mm-hmm. well, once that news comes out and it's public, well then, you know, that'll be, then I'll start like <laughs> real big league pro career career. But it's like, but at the same time for the last, uh, nine months I've been doing big two work. So it's right. like, you know, that's not going to change. Hopefully I'll just keep like, you know, I'll have the big day of like, Oh great. The news is out. This is exciting. And then the next day I'm gonna wake up and just do what I've been doing for seven months, eight months, nine months. Mm-hmm. So it's tough to try to like keep your feet on the ground in that way about, well, what is my emotional psychological response and what's like reality, you know? <laughs> Well, it's, you know, listen, it's, it's a condition of our, our time that we're in because I'm, th- I'm thinking about like the difference between what that is for you now than what it was for someone like me back in the nineties mm-hmm. when a book like, Hey, you got, you got on a big two book. There was no outlet for that. The outlet was right. this, there was this yellow book that was produced, which was the solicits book. And this is what we are producing for the next X amount of months, whatever it was from DC or Marvel. And that would be, that would be the notice <laughs> to the world that this is, that this is you in this book. Right. You'll be on this book, you know, for however long you are in the book. And then if you happen to be so lucky, maybe wizard would run some sort of piece on it, but there was nothing else. Zero except for phone calls and hanging out with friends and seeing people. at conventions. So now there's this omnipresent experience that is voraciously asking for it. And we as humans feel compelled to sort of service this in some fashion because listen, there's benefit to it. We feel good about it. You know, we throw that thing out there and then we're like, people are like, oh my God, that's awesome. And you're like, I feel validated, you know? And like, so right, you, right. it's just, it's a terrible cycle. So, um, it, it, so it's not like, it's, it's not a failing in us, you know, it's, it's a, it's an environmental condition that we have to kind of figure out how to navigate to kind of keep, as you said, keep your head on straight. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's such an odd, you know, and obviously comics aren't the only career like this. It's just it's no. it's something so different from being in a creative gig versus being any of the number of service jobs I've ever had, where it really is like, you know, the the things about like uh focusing on your goals because I had to try to tell my family all the time when they like, oh, well, you could just come do you could just come down on Saturday and hang out. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, 
I'm my own boss. So theoretically, yeah, because I make my own schedule, but I don't get paid unless I finish. Right. You know, like my other jobs, I could just clock in, do some time, and no matter what, I would get paid. Like I have to finish things. Mm-hmm. And and so I try to get them to understand that, like, yeah, I can take Saturday off, but Saturday then gets pushed to another day. And that work needs to move somewhere else, you know? So if I take a half day here for a family thing and a half day here for something else over the span of three days, well, I've lost one out of three days. So then, no, I can't take day four off. Y'all are out of your damn mind. Like, (laughs) I need to stay on a schedule. Bills need to get paid. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it's it's odd, the things, and like, you know, social media in particular, but the things that, like, slowly change, like, the makeup of your brain uh, or how you process stuff. And like, I know for a fact that I was definitely not like what I would consider a workaholic, uh, at AT AT&T or, uh, in any of the restaurants I've worked in. (laughs) Sure. You know, I wanted to do a good job, but I was never like, I was really good about, you know, compartmentalizing. So it's like, once I'm out of there, yeah, you know, I'm in my real life, quote unquote. Um, but man, this gig is just a different beast. Yeah. And like, so, you know, my, you know, I was at home for my, you know, entirety of my you know, comic book career. And then when I started working in the design industry, you know, I'd go to work, you mm-hmm. know, when I was teaching, I would go to work, I would come home. And I remember having a real hard time decompressing after mm-hmm. uh, coming back from work at times. And the times I didn't have it, I realized oh, I rode my bike. I lived in New York city, but I ride my bike to, to the office and then I would ride yeah. it home. And that was my decompression chamber that allowed me to kind of be a human because at the times I would come home, like let's say, you know, walk home or take the bus home, especially taking the bus home, you know, I would come home and I would be, I would just be an asshole, you know, yeah. and well, it's that's not exactly of, a fun experience riding the bus. No, 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 not in New York city. It's not. Yeah. Um, and that was one of those, you know, just kind of weird sort of behaviors. And, but I find like, you know, the separation of church and state is super important if you can figure out how to do it. And I'll tell you one thing I used to do, um, I would get out and I would get up in the morning and go for a walk. So if I don't know if you have a, like, you know, for me, I had a dog. So I'd go and take the dog for a walk, come back and then start working, which made it seem like I was doing, I was going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love walking uh, before I do anything too, because it also kind of gives you a small goal to accomplish. Mm-hmm. of like I went out and I got my I got like a 15 20 minute walk in today so it's nine o'clock and you're like well I already did something yeah you know like I already went for a walk um I'm cleaned up and I'm and like maybe I'm two panels into a page you're like well hey I got a walk and two panels done already good day let's me. keep going look at me there's That's only a, four, yeah. four to seven more to go um yeah, well um, you know I so I into that like the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning because I, because I, I wrestle with ADHD and mm-hmm. I wrestled it with it for 40 years before I found out that I had it. So it was one of these really sort of like wrestling matches with a blindfold on. And then, so I wake up and I meditate every morning. First thing I do, don't even, you know, the phone isn't even a thing. Like I get up, sit there, do 20 minutes. And that allows my mind to kind of like have a bedrock to live on for the day. Yeah. And like, cause the days that I, I've woke, you know, woke up, which far outweigh the days that I've, I've, I've meditated in my life. So I'm not, this is no preaching here. You know, the days that I woke up and turned the television on or the days that I woke up and 
you know, opened up my, my, my cell phone and like checked whatever it was, right. those days spun out of control versus the one where I like, I have a s- slight bit of agency in my life. Right. And Give yourself a chance to actually center a chance. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's super tough. And like, I was, you know, thinking about what you were saying, going for a walk. And one thing that I've been learning more and more about, and I, this is really a neophyte's position on it is the value of walking, being outside, but sunlight on our bodies mm-hmm. in our, in our, you know, getting into our eyes, getting onto our skin and how that will like for people who have weight issues that will actually help it will reset your system and your system will be more efficient. You will, you know, your, your metabolism will return to what it's supposed to be. And all these things happen because we're not depriving ourselves of this multi band of light versus living in front of these blue light boxes that are just killing us. Yeah. I think the, the ultimate dream for me, if I had to like, you know, map out where I would want our, living situation to be and my work situation to be in the future would be to have that nice, not big, but just like a nice workable studio in the backyard. So there's a mm-hmm. little bit of like, I can get up and go to the backyard as opposed to just like closing a door here, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. and, and that's kind of like this, you know, I, I my kids are, are, well, now I'm going to have two in school. Um, but when they're in school, the whole going for a walk in the morning thing is a lot easier because like I'm getting them on the bus. I'm already doing something in the morning. So then I can just get them on the bus and I can just go down the street yeah. and, you know, go for my walk and come back. But like, I've got some, uh, some like night owl kids. So <laughs> they love to sleep in on the summer. And it, it, even though I'm getting up, the whole house is just slower in the morning yeah. over the summer. And it's really easy to just fall into like, well, I'll just kind of, I'll hang out on the couch for like an hour. Uh-huh. You know, the next thing you know, it's been two hours and it's like 1030 and you're like, I haven't done anything uh, yep. except scroll. And, sure. And then they wake up and then you can't do anything until like they're attended to. And so now right. you're now you're now you're even further back on the on the sort of the emotional clock. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, it's a I, weird I it. it's a weird thing, man. Um, and it's also, you know, talk about how your uh, brain changes based on which you're around, like my kids think this is normal. And I wonder what that's going to mean, you know, for how they approach things as they get older. Uh, You know, you talk about that, uh, the getting like that bit of approval too is, is like, oh, that recognition. I'm still waiting for them to be like, oh, you know what? Dad draws so-and-so that's awesome. (laughs) And they just don't, they just still like, I, I kept thinking that it would kick in, but I don't know if it ever really will until like maybe their friends think it's kind of a cool thing and whatever situation that happens in because yeah, naturally but, i don't think they're ever going to care on their own dude like i mean i've had how many how many interviews have i heard of you know i mean legitimate big time rock stars and like they're like kids my care. kids don't care my kids listen to rap like you know like you can like you know you know what a chris shiflet from the foo fighters you know like arguably arguably one of the biggest bands in rock you know mm-hmm. and he's like my boys don't care about a single thing I've, and they've been on concert tours with me for their whole life they don't care because wow. it's yeah 
I mean, so, and even if I, I suspect, even if friends go, Oh my God, that's amazing. That's so, that's so cool. The kid's never going to like show that car. Oh, you're right. Yeah. No, they're just gonna be like, no, it's just my dad. Yeah. And, or they're like, they'll never let you know, you know, because we, you know, I mean, listen, my dad, my dad was a, an engineer for, for, you know, a major helicopter company, you know, like he designed helicopters and knew all this stuff and did all this really cool things. And I'm like, that's amazing, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, I probably never, ever told him like how cool that was. Yeah. It's, it's funny that like, like, cause my kids, you know, I've been pretty good about, they've, they've fallen in love with some of the stuff that I grew up loving because, you know, um, we're watching Spider-Man because I want to watch Spider-Man. We're not watching Mm -hmm. Spider-Man just because it's a kid thing. So they (laughs) happen to all love it. And, you know, turtles, they've kind of gotten into, they love Sonic and Mario and, and it's been great because they're kind of having a resurgence right now anyway. But, you know, like I drew, I drew Spider-Man recently and, I was like, look, I'm drawing Spider-Man. And they're like, okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, about dinner. And it's like, oh, about the thing I want. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Can I get more Robux please? And like, just tell me that it's awesome that I'm drawing Spider-Man and I'll get you some Robux, please. Like, let me bribe you for Robux. <laughs> daddy, um, daddy needs the attention. Yeah. It's just funny. Uh, you know, and that's like, you mentioned conventions being a place where you get that. That's what I love about doing cons now is like, yeah, we're, we're, you know, tapped into a community with the internet, but like, man, a good convention is like a battery resetting because you're mm-hmm. actually talking to people who care about this shit that you care about, um, yeah. to a degree that you're not getting at home, especially cause I don't have any like active local comic shops within, you know, 25 minutes. I have to drive into the city to do it. Okay. Um, so I don't have like that active community. Like my friends will think it's cool, but they're not like dialed into you know, like I, my, my favorite thing is always like, like Jerry Ordway following me on Twitter was one of those things where I was like, dude, Jerry Ordway follow me on Twitter. And they're like, great. Cool. That's fine. And my wife yeah. is like, oh, okay. But then I've got like one friend I can text or call and they're like, that's weird and awesome. Yeah. You know, right. so then the actual career stuff of like, guess what I'm drawing, you know, they'll get it, but I have to call them. But like going to a convention, you know, letting it out, the book that I was working on uh, mm-hmm. at the time, um, all of our peers were like, dude, that's crazy. That's awesome. Like, like my buddy Ryan was like, your life's going to change. Just wait. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it was cool, like getting to talk to people who have, who are dialed in enough to kind of know what to expect versus like my wife, she was excited for me. Uh, and then you talk to my family and they're like, okay. Like that's, cool. that's great. Yeah. Know? Great. I think it, outside of like my name being on the television screen at some point, I don't think they're ever going to care. Well, like, I don't think I it's mean, ever going to click, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and think about this. I mean, think about it. The fact that all these people, the fact that they even know what it is, is a miracle because 30 years ago, like if I, whenever I told anybody in my family, oh, well, I'm yeah. doing this, they would go, what is that? Like they had no well, one. They're, they're, like yeah. you would be lucky if they knew who Spider Man was. Like that, that's, that's how I was like so excited about this was because yeah. like I can tell my grandmother, sure. you know, yes. who was born totally. in like the the mid forties, and she's gonna like click yes. in right away and be like, oh okay, like yeah, for my adult life, I know who that character is. I know what this thing is. 
Um, so I was really excited and I got, I got good stuff. I'm not, you know, I don't want to undersell it, but the reaction from someone who knows the character versus the reaction from somebody who reads and indulges in the character. Yeah. Two totally difference. different things. Yeah. yeah. And like going to like, it, and we were, we've, you know, the, the phrase of the, of the, you know, of the month for, you know, shows like heroes, it's, it's comic book summer camp. Mm-hmm. You know, you go there and you 100%. get to hang out you get to hang out yeah. with all the people and do all the goofiness and stupid stupidity that comes with being in that world. And it's great, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that show in particular, it's, it's such a, it's not just a creator show, but it's also such a big show for being a creator show. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, for having no celebrities, but still being a show that has like 700 tables is insanity. So it is great because there's just, like I, I can go now that I'm several years in my career and not even have to check in to be like, oh, who's going? Because I know now I'm going to run into people. Period. Sure. Yeah. Because it's just such a dense group of creators. Um, and then you don't have any of the nonsense with like, you know, like, yeah, celebrities are great. Um, for me, I'm a big voice actor guy. So those are the people that I'm like, Rob Paulson's <laughs> here? That's, that's rad. Um, but like, you know, like Sean Aston seems fantastic, but do I really want to have to deal with like a line of people walking past me to go sign, to go pay, right. to be in the same space as Sean Aston? Not necessarily. Right. Totally. Um, so being at a show like heroes is a, is a regular convention is a battery reset. And then being at heroes is like a battery reset for the other conventions because it's just, you know, you can better handle the other shows with all the nonsense by having spent at least one of the weekends at a show like heroes where it's just us and it's mm-hmm. like, uh, so good. And they treat everybody so great. And, you know, Charlotte's a cool town. Yep. Uh, the weather I feel like was awesome this last time because it was like <laughs> 70 degrees in the morning. It was like two of the days. Those mornings were, they were fantastic. Like I, I like, just getting up, I was not expecting it. Strolling, you know, strolling over to Starbucks to get some, get something to, to eat or drink on the way on there. And I'm like, Oh, this is lovely. And then you yeah. leave around like 637 and all that heat is gone. Yeah. And you, like, yeah. yeah, like, and they're like, was, oh, it no, was definitely like, like, I'm like hmm. yeah, it was definitely like warm weather, but it was no, at no point was I like, man, I am uncomfortable. It's too <laughs> yeah. hot. This sucks. Meanwhile, back home, of course it was, it was way A worse. A billion degrees. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I felt like this past weekend was, or I say this past weekend, it's now been almost, it's been a month. Oh God, time doesn't stop. Uh-huh. Um, that weekend was great. You know, um, I look forward to it every year. The only thing that I was really bummed out about this year was that I love going to awesome con and they were the same weekend this time. And I was so bummed out to choose, Right, you know, cause I, I love going to DC. DC is like one of my favorite towns. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a bummer having to like skip one for the other, but you know, that's a pretty small complaint <laughs> to have. Right, I mean, yeah, the on the list of complaints, pretty pretty low. Yeah. yeah, I I think we we were in DC last year, and I saw all the like the flyers, you know, for Awesome mm-hmm. Con because I always I always hit up comic shops when I go traveling. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh yeah, we're going to Detroit this weekend. I got to go find a good, uh, a good comic shop in Detroit. My wife is great. Yeah. She'll, she'll, she'll like, she'll humor me every time we go somewhere. <laughs> um, so you, gr- so, okay. Outside of, outside of, uh, Nolans and, mm-hmm. um, just you, 
siblings? Like what kind of like, what kind oh, of, so I'm, I'm one of three. Uh, okay. so I've got an older brother and younger sister. Um, we grew up on what's called the West bank. Uh, so when you're in the city, New Orleans abuts, uh, the Mississippi, it wraps around the city and mm-hmm. across the, across the river is another strip of land that's called the West bank. Cause it's on, it's the West quote unquote bank of the river. Yep. Um, so it's like, you know, you, you cross a bridge, you drive five minutes and I'm in the city is where I grew up as, as a, a young kid. But when I was in like junior high or so, uh, going into junior high, my folks were like, you know what? The schools are a lot better in the suburbs. Let's just go and get you guys, you know, in a different environment. Um, and so I now live on the North shore, which is across Lake Pontchartrain. Cool. Uh, which for people who aren't familiar, it's the next town over essentially, but there's a 24 mile bridge over water. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a trip. Yeah. You know, if you're not prepared for it, it, it's like, I remember the first time I crossed it as a kid going to visit my sister's Paran, her godfather. And it was like, is this going to end? No. Are we just going to be on this? For, trying to play my Game Boy. Like what the F is going on? Are we <laughs> like, are we never going to get off this bridge? Um, so, you know, I can get into the city pretty comfortably. It's just, it is a thing of like, do I feel like driving across the causeway? Yeah. You know, there's no turn. Like you, you can turn around at the crossovers every like six miles, but it's like you right. six yeah. miles where you can turn around. Like it's just, you know, it's a commitment. You can't just, you know, ah, I don't like it. Never mind. Each one has a sign that says, are you sure? Yeah, really? Should, for sure. Seriously? Yeah. Um, um yeah, it's, so yeah, it is, that, it, that's where I'm at. Um, okay. So you're, you're the middle child. Like what are the, what do your parents do? So my mom's had like a jillion jobs. She's worked at gyms, um, in membership and fitness. She's worked with builders, uh, like as project managers, she's worked for insurance companies. She's been all over the place. My dad, my entire life has been an auto mechanic, okay. um, for various kind, like for for dealerships, he's worked for Cox Cable, um, but he's retired now. And my mom currently works at uh, Ochsner Hospital, which is a big hospital in the area. Um, but they out, they live out now around Lafayette, which actually you mentioned comic shops. I'm going to be out there uh, this weekend or next week, I think, when my Marvel thing hits shelves. So it's like I should scope out some shops to hit up. Totally. You know, grab a few copies so that I have them to sell, but also that I can like, you know, maybe talk to them and sign and, and get some mm-hmm. FaceTime with other shops because I don't really have any here, you know, in the, yeah. in the burbs, I have to drive 20 minutes. Um, and then I'm going to be in Oklahoma city at the end of the month. And I needed, I should do the same thing. Like try to stop in and, you know, FaceTime with some, some can, with some, uh, shops that I don't, I don't really know anything about. I think it's super important I, on top of my, my comic book shop obsession. I go to bookstores when we travel because it's mm-hmm. just, you know, because when the things come out, you want to have that network mm-hmm. to email them or ring them up and say, Hey, you know, I had a great time talking with you when I was in the shop last year, got this thing coming out and they're usually they'll bend over backwards to really be yeah. supportive because it's their business. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and it's a fun thing. Like if something's new on shelves, like pop in and just be like, Hey, I drew this. Can, do you mind if I sign these? And you know, totally. then if anyone just happens to come in and buys it, they're like, Oh wait, this, what did that happen? You know, right. it's just a cool thing. Cause they just go and expecting to find the book and maybe they find one with a signature on it. And that's just yeah. a neat thing. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping 
you know, I think there's probably Unless three they're slabbers and they're going to be pissed off. Well, they can be pissed off in that, in that yeah. case. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I think there's probably three or four shops in the Lafayette area that I, I need to like figure out exactly where they are and, and hit them up while I'm at my folks place. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I've been here every year of my life, except for the one year I lived in Memphis for college. And that was literally wow. it. The, the furthest I've lived outside the city has been about 45 minutes. Okay. And it's just kind mm-hmm. of a thing, especially now that I have kids, it's like, why, you know, like my, my in-laws live a few streets over and our, our support system, as much as there is one is here. So it's kind of like, why take them away? You know, and then right. now that I've got a nine year old who's been in school for so long, it's kind of like, why would I want to pull her away from what she knows? And then on top of that, the beauty about the comic industry is that uh, it's a global market. So, you know, I can make my DC rate stretch a lot further right outside New Orleans than I can mm-hmm. if I was in, you know, DC or New York or LA or San Francisco or, or Portland, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the Portland market has gone so crazy over the last 10 years. And like, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where like, would I love to live in a, like, I would love to live in Washington DC now that I've been so many times and I've got friends out there and it's just such a cool walkable town. Um, and there's so much to do and the food's great, but it's just so much easier and cheaper to stay, stay here. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, when I was, I remember being young, I'm like, I'm going to like get on like a real good book and move up to New Hampshire. You know, cause there's no, there's no income tax up there. I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll I'll save money and I'll, you know, and I won't be living in New York city. Like it'll be the perfect dream, you know? Um, and then my, then my, my parents promptly moved up there and then I said, well, you've, you've ruined my dream. Ruined I can't it, Yeah. There. Why would you do that to me? Yeah. Yeah. It's not fair. Ugh. Um, so how did it like, so were your, were your family, like your parents, like encouraging of the artwork thing or were they like, what, who is this weird kid? <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit of who's this weird kid. I was the weird kid in a lot of ways. Um, but from my earliest memories when I was about four drawing has always been my thing. Uh, my mom drew when she was young and stopped when she was a teenager. Um, so I think they were kind of like, she was like the training wheels for the family mm-hmm. to have someone who drew. Um, and it's just kind of always, it wasn't put upon me per se, but it's just always been like, Oh, well, that's your thing. You right. know? And I would just, I mean, man, I got in trouble drawing in school constantly, like not doing my homework. <laughs> I would just draw, 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 draw. I flirted with playing guitar for a while um, and, you know, I was good at it, but there was definitely a point as I got older and my free time dwindled where it's like, you know, choose which road, like which thing are you both more passionate about, but also pragmatically, like, what am I more likely to have a future in? Like, you know, I was good at guitar, but I was good at guitar in like my town area that, you know, I could, I could have fun playing bars but I wasn't ever going to make like a career out of it. Um, and now I suck. Um, but you know, I'd been drawing literally my whole life and it's, and I've been wanting to do comics in particular since I was like six. So like my folks aren't like, they used to call my action figures, my monsters. They didn't really watch, you know, they would like let me watch stuff, but they were never like invested in what I was into. Sure. But they, um, they got me like one of those mystery grab bags of like comic bundles. Uh, mm-hmm. when I was six and, and it was like, 
all Marvel stuff, but it was like a, a random X-Men comic, a random uh, holofoil, which was cool, uh, Iron Man comic. And um, and it was Spider-Man uh, 393, or no, it was 380. Wow, wow I never forget this. I just, uh, See, I'm getting older now. And my, my brain is getting worse. But uh, it was the third part of a three-part story called Life Theft. It was, uh, and I uh, was like hooked on Spider-Man. Yeah. And I like went through it over and over again. I would draw from it. And there was a moment where I saw Mark Bagley's name and Penciler, where it kind mm-hmm. of like clicked in my brain that like, oh, like a guy like drew this and made this into what it is as, as, as a single individual, he drew this. It wasn't like cartoons where like, I knew that people made it, you know, it was like a yeah. person drew this. Um, and it's just like, I want to do that. Or, or like cartoons would have been a great fallback, but like animation and comics were always what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they, they definitely had moments of like, I mean, you know, it's going to be a rough life, you know, good yep. luck, you know, uh, but they certainly were never discouraging. I definitely had my moments, even, even recently of my dad being like, Hey, you know, there's a service writing position open at the dealership. You can come, you know, you can make like 70, 70,000 a year. It's great. It's like, yeah, but I don't want to be micromanaged. I don't want to drive to work. I don't want to do all this. Like, and like, I, it had to be a thing of like, Hey man, I need you to know, like, I got this job, like, like I'm doing yeah. okay. Like I'm building, you know, the thing that I'm building is, is those fruit are starting to, to, you know, so that tree is starting to bear fruit. Um, so it's like, like is a service writing position more stable? Certainly. But like, is it sure. better? No. So it's like, why would I? So they have those well, moments of like, different. hey man, you know, yeah. This but, they lo- but the thing is, around. that's lo- it's all love, you know, it's love and caring, yeah. you know, I mean, you, yeah, you know, like sure. you, you know, with your children, I am, sure you are going to always want them to choose the safest path possible, even though you didn't. And that's like the internal part will say that. And then, but your sort of brain will go like, Nope, I'm going to like totally like support their choices, you know, because that's, I felt I followed my muse. I got to let them follow theirs. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, it's been interesting uh, to say the least, Uh, you know, they don't quite get, how it all works necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. or of course, like the excitement over like what thing I'm doing at any given time, but they're, they definitely, you know, have their moments of cheerleading, which is nice. They don't read what I do at all, right, uh, yeah. but, um, they definitely cheerlead and that's, you know, what more can I ask for? No, I mean, listen, my mom supported my interest in the arts from a very, very early age. She also declared at a very early age for me that, she hated comic books because she couldn't stand seeing the, the, the word balloons. You know, she just didn't like oh, that as, as a, as a kind of contrived. Like right, yeah. right, right. And so I was like, okay, like, so you're probably going to not like, you know, what I want to do for the rest of my life yeah. kind of, you know, approach to things. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we have to kind of just chase after the thing that we're interested in. I mean, I don't find that I, I mean, I'm ca- more than capable of doing any kind of work that I have put in front of me. Um, yeah. But the work that I chase after is the thing that I want to do. And yeah. I, uh, it's funny. I have a, a Facebook post that I, like Facebook memories reminded me of it a couple of years ago. So I printed it out and I have it hanging in the corner. And it was a Facebook post from 2013 when I was 
still working at AT&T as a sales rep and I was making decent money. Um, and that kind of was like the little sidetrack of my life where it was like starting my family and, you know, having like the quote unquote good job. Um, but the post is about like, I like it here, but it's not what I want, Mm -hmm. you know? And I just, I see people online who do comics or at shows. I've never really been to a convention and I was just daydreaming about like making that thing happen. And it's like, well, and it literally ended like, well, maybe one day I'll do it. So I have it printed as like a reminder to always, for me to always think back to like, Hey man, two years ago, this wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. And you know, you were at just a different stage. Cause it is, it's definitely not a sprint. This job is, this career is 100% a marathon. Yeah. Um, and it really is about, you know, keeping your head on your shoulders and, and not getting discouraged by the momentum, feeling a little slow, a lot of times, um, feeling like you're just yelling into, you know, the abyss, like when, when your social media following is really small and you're starting out and you're like posting stuff and it's getting like one or two likes, it's really hard not to just like, be like, screw it. It's not working. And just, you know, take your ball and go home. Right. Um, so I have that as kind of a thing to be like, look, you were good at this, but it's not what you wanted, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, I, I, it's funny that you just mentioned that. Cause you know, I've, I've had several jobs that I've done quite well, but it's just that thing of like, this always haunted me of like, do that. Right. You know, you're not doing what you feel like you were meant to be doing. And so but now, you can apply that. Here's the, th- here's the, here's the secret. The secret sauce that a lot of people don't recognize is they see this, this disparity between, you know, that job as a, as a sales rep at AT&T and you're, you're being an artist for, you know, a publisher. The thing is there are skill sets you can transfer over from one mm-hmm. to the other to improve your chances and in, in success. So mm-hmm the ability to speak to people, the ability to communicate what you want and work that position is super important. And I think a lot of people think I'm starting at ground zero and I suck. So how do I, you know, like it's a terrifying prospect. So, you know, always see what tools you have in your, in, in your toolbox and apply them to the thing that you want to do. They may not be the, you don't have 12 years of drawing in your pocket to pull out to be a comic book artist. That's okay. There are other things you can pull out and make yourself more successful. Yeah. And, and you know, like I, the eternal struggle of like n- never feeling great about anything that I draw is real. Totally. But I, I try to think of it pragmatically. Um, you know, like I, I don't think I'm a powerhouse, you know, technical illustrator. I think I'm good. But I think a lot of where my skill lies in is, is, you know, being a clear storyteller and designing a page cleanly and, and being relatively quick. And, and I'm just, I'm a delight. So working <laughs> with me is fantastic. And yeah. I think that as long as I'm like really reliable and, you know, um, I'm certainly not one to like have any emotional swings of like volatility. Um, I, I think, you know, those are really important things to take into a career and how you approach yourself professionally. You know, like I might not be hitting home runs or grand slams every time I draw a page, but if I'm hitting solid triples, I'm not, you know, it's, it's important to look at that as like a, a victory. Listen, batting percentage and getting on base are the, those are the stats that matter the most. Right. Cause right. you, you're, you're, you're one step to, you know, closer to, you know, scoring. 
And that's all, that's all that always matters in the long run. And, you know, if you can be mature slash affable and quick slash fast Mm -hmm. in your work, you could, you can have a long career because, you know, while everyone may look and see the, you know, this sort of this person who can create these drawings that nobody else can do and they're unbelievably good. But if the publisher has to wait way too long to get them, they're not going to have a very busy, you know, Mm -hmm. dance card. Yeah. It was, it was kind of a a weird eye opening thing. The more I worked with publishers, um, because, you know, if you had even remotely a finger on the pulse of the industry coming up in the nineties, 2000, early 2000s, whatever, you're kind of trained on a page a day. Yep. Four weeks, you know, 20 pages. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and because that's kind of been where my head's been for so long that when I get with a publisher and they talk about like, well, what kind of deadline do you need? And they come out with like five and a half weeks. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's great. Let's do that. Because that gives mm-hmm. me a bunch of, you know, give me a Anything bunch of safety net. Yeah. And granted yeah. I'll use that safety net sometimes for sure. Especially with kids. We all but will. It's funny how like, you think of like, oh man, I'm like a page a day. I'm, I'm keeping up on it, but like, you know, you're butting up against it. Where you're like, man, if I slip a little bit, I might be in trouble. And you find it like they're so used now. They're now they are so used to people taking six to eight weeks that they right. look at someone who's getting a book done inside of five weeks as like you're you're a grinder. We love you. Thank you. Sure. You know, you're not the guy coming in necessarily, or the or, or you're not the artist coming in necessarily who's like. Hey, uh, this book fell apart and we need 20 pages done in three weeks. You know, you're not yep. that guy, but I also don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. No, totally. Dude, That's like a trap my, that you could fall into. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I, I, on more than one occasion, the phone would ring from a friend or an mm-hmm. age or an editor saying, Hey, can you do some pages on either my, you know, on, on, on book X and like, my, like my, my last gig was helping out a buddy, uh, a fellow Louisian, Louisian, um, and what was their name? His name, Derek Ocon. I think he goes by a different name now. Derek uh, is Ocon. A A U C O I N. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Has, okay. he goes by a different last him, name now. Yeah, that's a super yeah, yeah. common name down here. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, and he would he you know whatever happened was happening, and he was late on the book that he was working on, and so phone call came in, you know, can you do six pages or whatever it was? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and you bang out these six pages and you send them, send them in and that's it, you know, never, never, never to be seen again or talked to again. Like it was just one of those sort of like, you know, take care of the problem. But you know, you, you bring up a really interesting subject, which I talk about a lot. And I, it really dawned on me in speaking with a lot of independent creators on, on this podcast over the years that that mental block, that mental thing of page a day, that was, that was drum, boom, boom, Mm -hmm. boom. And I really lived by that. But the, the rub was no one said a page a day and try to keep it under six hours to do the page. Right. What they just said was a page a day. And my stupid brain was like, that's like what? 18 of 24 hours <laughs> got this down. Thankfully, I never had that issue. I was always pretty good about, I mean, don't get me wrong. There will definitely be days where I'm spending 10 hours drawing and it's like, dude, you know, take a, take a breather. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I was still keeping things. You know, you'd have the occasional page that would be six hours, the occasional page that would be nine. But I was mm-hmm. pretty good about like staying within like a flexible range. But then I have friends who they're not capable. Like even with several years, uh, I have a friend who's spent several years in the industry and and has gone out and and still draws all the time. But like their mode is to just craft and craft and craft and craft yep. and craft and craft and craft and incredible artwork, but it's like, yep. it's never going to be workable because this is a production job. It's exactly. never going to be workable in the industry because, you know, no one's going to be able to wait for you to draw an issue in seven months. Yep. It's just not, well, that was, that was, the, that was the art Adams, you know, dilemma, you know, like everyone loved Arthur's artwork, mm-hmm. but like he couldn't, do a monthly book. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were various attempts of his sort of kind of re-engaging, you know, with, with a publisher to do a monthly book. And it never really kind of came to fruition. And it was really unfortunate because as fans of his work, you know, you go, Oh, if only, if only, because covers are great, but they're not enough. They're never enough. Yeah. Like, could you imagine um, a world where we had, you know, 12 issues of a uh, art Adams book? Right. And th- yeah. so that tie that ties into something that you were, you said there about, you know, like when the publisher says, you know, it's five weeks good for you or whatever the, the, the number they give you, that wasn't part of the, dis- the discussion, you know, decades ago, it mm-hmm. was, you do page, you do a page a day, you get the book turned in every month. And the really interesting aspect of that, and someone was talking to me about this recently that like how they feel sad that there are no like long ongoing runs of their favorite artists on books Mm -hmm. because the company is, you know, listen, it's an investment, it's in a business and their job is to put a comic book out on the shelf every month on time. And the best way to ensure that is to throw as many bodies at it as possible. Right. So if they say, Hey, we're giving you five weeks to do the book or six weeks to do the book and we'll give you a, four issue run, five issue run, whatever the number is. And then, and then you're off, you know? And, and so, and, cause they're going to, they're overlapping people to try right. to keep that schedule on time for them, not for you. So we don't get to have that three, three year run of the same penciler on the book, you know, like yeah. that, which, you know, with that, when that writer and the penciler are making this, you know, this duo thing, the world is kind of cool for a comic book reader. Cause it's like, yeah. All right, cool. Wait a minute. They recast the character in the television show. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. I don't like it anymore. You know, I mean, I, I miss it. You know, like one of so I'm I'm 35. So one of like the seminal comics for me as a teenager was Ultimate Spider-Man. Okay. And and, you know, say what you will about Mark's art now. Um, but like he drew and honestly, he was doing like an issue, almost an issue and a half a month. He, they were shipping like crazy, like 14 issues a year. But I mean, mm-hmm they broke Kirby and, and Lee's run for the continuous superhero comics because they ended up doing like 112 issues. Yeah. And like, that's insane. Would I want to do 112 issues of a book? Probably not. Right. But like that. And then even Eminem, who's one of my heroes stepping in and, and, you know, he then did like 40 issues. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would love to be given a chance to do 20 12 to 20 issues of something. Sure. Um, like, you know, a, like a, you know, a two year run would be ridiculously cool. Yeah. And so I yeah. get that. I definitely miss that too. Um, you know, especially with some of my favorites, but it, it, it seems like now you have to be a relatively big name. Like mm-hmm. you have to be a big name 
And, and it has to be kind of built into the expectation of the book of like, okay, we're going to bring you in and you're, and we're going to do 12 issues. And then whatever happens after that, they'll figure out, but you know, you're a part of that plan to do those 12 issues. So then all of a sudden mm -hmm. you get like, you know, black widow by Somni in, in Wade or, you know, that run on daredevil was three artists for the most part over the course of, you know, 30 issues, 40 issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of, you know, and then like, you know, uh, Mitch seems to, you know, he's in a position now where they can kind of call their own shots and, and pick yeah. up projects that are built for them to stay on for a while. Sure. And, uh, and they get a, they like, get a, they get a run up time, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll give, we'll give sure. you two or three months to get the, to get stuff going. And then that gives you that safety gap once we yeah. start, you know, the production run. I definitely agree with them that like, I would like that to be more of a thing now, just because I would like to have the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to jumping from like four, four or five issues here or there and, you know, bouncing around. Um, it's definitely fun to get to play in different sandboxes a bunch. Mm -hmm. Sure. Everyone's but, toys um, are cool. I mean, I, I told them like once this was done that I was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do more whenever the time comes because I had such a good time. Yeah. Um, and it's such a big toy to play with. <laughs> it's such a like <laughs> crazy toy to play with. They're very, there are few larger toys. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think I mean, I, it might, to me, it just sounds like one of these things like where you have to man, the only way to manifest something is to declare it in these, mm -hmm. in these conditions, because I think due to security on their end of making sure the books are on time, one, two, managing the annual event stuff that has to be right. handled they need to figure out like there's a lot of there's there's far more sort of like pieces on the playing you know table that they have to adjust yeah and you know so but i think if but i think if you know you went straight up to you know the editors that you know and be like listen love this stuff here's what i want to do yeah and, you know because you know and then you're you know then you're leo sneaking into their dreams you know and just giving planting the seed right. and then letting that thing come to ha come to fruition because I think that's the only way that, because you know, no one ever hands you the thing. No, you know, no one says like, Hey, you know, guitar kid from, you know, Louisiana, you want to be the new guitarist for this band? Like right. you have to hunt that down. You got to go make that happen. Well, and that's the fun thing, funny thing about this job and trying to like, you know, said in the earlier that you can't just apply for it. Like my brother, I love him, but he's, he's a pain in the ass. <laughs> um, he was, he, he paints cars and he had this thing of like, no one in this family knows hustle like I do. And my wife was like, excuse me, because she's right. had to see me literally drum up every single gig that I've gotten mm -hmm. and like manifest jobs. Whereas he just kind of goes to work, cars show up, he paints them. Right. You know? And it's like, it's such a different thing of like, you, you have to manifest like they're not, I mean, I say that this came to me with a random email that like really my whole day was weird. Like I I'd done like a thing that I felt like was a karma thing. Like, I didn't do it for the karma, but like I went out of my way to help a friend in a situation that just like took me out for a whole day. Um, mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm, I, I could feel good about that. I did something good. Like I'll, I'll get back to work afterwards. It's fine. And then my, my Pelicans wanted, uh, they had a playoff game that day that they got by winning <laughs> one that like a few days before. And then I had a jersey coming in the mail that was supposed to be here on like a Saturday, but it got here on like a Thursday that day. And I was like, "Hey, my jersey came in earlier. This day can't get any better. And then two hours later, I got an email from it DC did. and I was like, 
oh, what? And it was just like, hey, you know, uh, I was wondering if you were interested in doing that, doing something with us. And it was like, uh, yeah. And I told my wife, I was like, I'm fully expecting some scrub book with C-list characters to be like training wheels for you as a baby sure. artist. Um, and then when the follow-up email came back and it had the name in it, I was like, I, I, I was pacing the driveway because I'm a pacer. And um, I opened the door and I was like, it's blank. And she was like, what? And like, it was this <laughs> moment, you know, and like I teared up because it was just like this crazy thing of like, holy crap, I can't believe they're asking me to do this. And they came to me. because It wasn't like, like I didn't go to them. Um, right. I, but I did know that like that editor had followed me on Twitter because they saw the sketch cards that I was doing at the time that were kind of blowing up. And it was a thing of like, yeah, that job came to me, but I also can trace how that happened because if it wasn't for me pumping out these sketch cards like crazy, I would have never been on the radar. For sure. Se, totally. You know? Totally. It's and so crazy. like, I mean, let's not, let, let's not let people, you know, you know, wondering and wondering. I mean, let, let's just let it out there. Elongated man is an phenomenal property to be yeah. working on. You said literally no one bigger because he can embiggen himself. It, there's nobody, there's nobody bigger than him. I mean, sure. take that plastic man, elongated man that yeah. does you every time. It's great. It's malleable. You know, you can, you can really manifest what you want it to be. You can turn it into anything. For sure. Um, but it's been great, you know, getting to do the six issues of that, you know, I was in New York and talked to Ricky over at Marvel who I'd, I'd known a little bit for a while. He actually gave a portfolio review years ago. And he was like, hey, you know, so-and-so put a bug in my ear uh, that, that, you know, like, you know, see if you were available. And, and then uh, I told him, like, well, I'm doing this to D.C. And he's like, well, how busy are they keeping you? And I was like, not busy enough. Right. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll be in touch. Uh, and then, you know, I reached out and I got to do, got to draw Spider-Man. And he's, he's my yeah. guy. Um, he's the best. There's, yeah, there's no know. more fun character to draw. Right. Except for he's elongated not, man, of course. Exactly. Uh, he's not in his traditional Spidey outfit because it's the Venomverse thing. So it's, you know, okay. it's a different take on things all the time. Um, but it was, it was still cool to get to draw like someone web swinging and, yeah. and get paid for it. And it not be a commission or something that I'm doing on side. It was really, really neat getting to do Venomverse. Um, and that comes out on Wednesday. So it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about like seeing what happens when that it's actually like out, you know, yeah. how people react to it, especially me being, being a newbie, mm -hmm. you know, to most people I'm curious to see. And, you know, we did a different take. We did Kingpin as a symbiote, you know, right. Kingpin has a symbiote. Um, we could talk about it because that's going to be out when this comes out. So whatever. Right. Yeah. One day, we're one day we're, 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 we're one day spoiler here, you know? Okay. So. Mm, will they get <laughs> mad at me? Anyway, whatever we're doing. Uh, it's going to be a Kingpin story. I won't go into full details, but it was like really fun getting to kind of design a new take on an old character. Um, oh, that's so cool. And, and, you know, my DC work was really similar too. And it's, it's kind of a cool thing of like, you know, there's definitely an argument to be made about like, well, would I see royalties from it? No, but like you're making something that might one day be used in something else or like mm -hmm. maybe like if a toy ever got made out of this design for this character that I did, I'm the type of nerd that it would be like, would it be great to have seen money from it? Yes. But is it just awesome in general and I'm happy about it? Yes. <laughs> this is so cool. Look at this. 
Gavin, that's what they're banking on. They're like, yeah, know, well, yeah, know, we don't want to send them a check. We'll just send them a toy. They'll be thrilled. Oh, Mark. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, it's been cool and weird that both my first big two gigs have been that sort of playground of, of getting to do new takes on old characters. Um, Mm. and, and it's been really, it's been really cool. Um, the DC thing just hasn't been announced. They've been slow rolling it. So it's really funny. You know, you hear it with Hollywood a lot of times when people talk about like, hey, well, let me run down your career. Your first job was this. And you're like, well, no, actually my first job was this thing, but it right. came out two years later. Uh, so like I did 120 pages and six covers for DC. And I don't even know if it'll be announced by the time this Marvel thing hits stands. So it's just like a wow. weird, bizarro world of like the first job was way longer and it's not mm-hmm. going to be public necessarily. It definitely won't be out. You know, this smaller it's thing will be, boom, yeah. So I wonder, you know, if it's going to be a thing of like, oh, well, his first job was Marvel. It's like, well, no, my first job was DC. It's just, you know, it's a weird thing. Uh, but they, yeah. they've, they've had me back. I'm back doing another DC thing now, uh, which I can say, like, it's it's a short. Um, they're letting me do Superman, which is really exciting Correct. to get to draw a Superman short for 10 pages. Um, and, you know, like talk about the, the toy box. It's like Spider-Man and Superman. They don't really, mm-hmm. you know, Batman. I got to he's he's next on my list. I'm coming for him at some point. Uh, everyone's everyone's gunning for that guy. But oh, yeah, I know. I mean, man, he's uh, you know, he's he's the one. But I, I, you know, it hits every generation. But for me, like. The first cartoon that I really remember, like sucking me in and have it being like. I'm not just watching a cartoon and enjoying it. I want to see this all the time. The mm-hmm. two ones were Turtles and that Batman, the 92 animated series. Yeah. Uh, B-Taz. So like, you know, Batman's been like a whole part of my life. And I mean, like, obviously, they also had the 1990 tur- uh, Turtles movie, which I mm-hmm. burned holes to that VHS. It was great. It was so good. Yeah. And I still watch it like annually. Um, and uh, the 89 Batman movie, you know, which arguably was less kid friendly. Um, but I, I mean, like I had so many of those Keaton Batman toys and we had the mm-hmm. Wayne Manor that would open into the museum and it had the little glass window that he would bust in on and drop in. <laughs> and we had like a toothbrush and it was just it was just Batman, you know, everywhere. And then, of course, in the 90s, we had the Spider-Man cartoon and, and comics, and he's just always been my guy. It just happened to turn out that he would then turn into being the most popular Marvel character because the time that I was falling in love with Spider-Man, he wasn't. It was Wolverine and the X-Men were the biggest yeah. thing on the block. Yep. You know, you yeah. were not competing with the X-Men in the 90s. You just weren't. No, so, no. You, you, nobody was competing with the X-Men since the late eight, 70s. Like right. it was, they just had this reign supreme, um, you know, and I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not sure what turned the table, so to speak for spite for Spidey. If it happened. I mean, think about that time in like the early two thousands where, you know, the joke was like, well, what else is Wolverine doing? Cause he's in like seven sure. books every month. Like he's, yep. you know, everywhere. Um, and yeah, I, you know what? I feel like it probably had so much to do with the Spider-Man movies. I would have to imagine. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, well, I mean like primed with the cartoons, like if you think there was like a decade, a decade of the cartoons, then 
you know, the, I, you know, ostensibly visually the Spider-Man movies were way more exciting than the X-Men movies. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that you, you were, if you were young, it was probably a lot easier to buy in and go, Oh yeah. wow. Colorful costume, colorful, colorful villains. Like this is fun and funny. And, yeah. um, and I think that was like, you know, I mean, cause like the, the best joke in the X-Men movie has a swear in it. So it's not exactly a kid's joke, you know? Well, in the X-Men movie was arguably the last big, big successful run of movies to still be kind of ashamed of the comic book thing. Of being, of being a comic book movie. Right. Yep. Whereas, you know, Raimi, I mean, he leaned into the Silver Age stuff more than anything, but like they went for it with the costumes for the most, obviously Goblin's different, but he's still green. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, although talk about that, like, have you seen the uh, footage of like, a tech demo for what his mask could have looked like animatronically when they were still yes. making it. And like, I look at that, I'm like, that looks so much creepier and cooler. Mm -hmm. And like, it's a shame they didn't go that direction. But yeah, being a kid in particular, that, that Spider-Man movie felt like a capital C comic book movie in a way that I love those first. I mean, X2 was amazing, mm -hmm. but like they're smaller movies that don't feel as bombastic as the Spider yep. movies for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, they were still doing that in the mid two thousands, but X-Men, I feel like was the last one that was like that successful. Cause I mean, who went to see Electra? Daredevil wasn't really that, that successful. Well, it was the, it was the era of the, of the leather costumes, yeah. you know, they were <laughs> like, well, colors. if we make it leather, it seems more realistic. I'm like, seriously, these people are flying and have superpowers. Like realism shouldn't be a, a, a conversation aspect. That was but, always my argument against the like, well, why doesn't Hulk's pants rip? And it's like, well, mm -hmm. if you're overlooking the, the 12 foot green monster, right to focus on the, the physics of his pants stretching. I was like, you're kind mm -hmm. of like not seeing the forest mm -hmm. for the trees. Yeah. It's never going to happen for you. Yeah. It's okay. It's just, yeah. Yeah. And that, that was always the thing that I remember, you know, early nerd debates before social media. <laughs> mm -hmm. What is it? I mean, really though. Why? You know, yeah. Kevin, the Kevin Smith style uh, comic book debate. Sure. <laughs> right. Hanging out, discussing the matters. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, listen, I'm, you know, OG day one Spider-Man lover. So like for me, like I, I'm happy he's, he's on top. He's Hell the yeah. best. I don't, there's not a character that brings more enjoyment to me. Not a character I enjoyed yep. drawing more than Spider-Man. Like it's just number, it, it's the best. So I, I will um, draw him. I tell people at conventions all the time because I have those sketch cards and I sell through them and like I sold a ton of them and probably 40% of them have been Spider-Man. Specifically yeah. Spider-Man. And it's like, I'm not tired of it. I don't care. I will draw the webs and that mask all the live long day. I never get tired of it. I've got two Spider-Man hot toys in here. Um, I told you Eminem's my guy. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six of his Spider-Man pages. Um, I've got a, a Somni piece. It does have Batman in it, but it's also, you know, it's Spider-Man and Batman. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then this, my daughter drew me as a little Spider-Man. <laughs> I've been, I've been staring at that the whole time. I'm like, I'm wondering yeah. which of the kids drew that. Yeah. Like the, the toys that I have in my room, you know, I've only started collecting toys really recently or last few years, but like I've got a, a set of the power Rangers because I'm a nineties kid, um, and a Zord, but I've got like a whole Donatello Ninja Turtle set up over here. Cause Donnie was my guy. 
I've got some Gundam models that I've built. And then other than that, it's Hot Toys where I've got like one Superman, I've got one Captain America, and I've got two Spideys because like, you know, he's Spidey. He looks freaking, yeah. he's great. And I've got a, I've got a Sonic toy, but you know, my, that's the I, one. I won't, I, my, I won't hold it against you. My youngest are like, it has to be a thing of like, no, no, this one's for me. And I like <laughs> bought them a separate one. That you guys can tear this one apart. This one's a little like cheap, but like a little $30, $40 collector's thing. That one's staying on the shelf. I'll buy y'all another one for you to just do whatever you want with. Like the interchangeable <laughs> faces and stuff and hands and stuff. But uh, like I, I think about toys and, you know, think about toys now, like the collector's thing, you know, they have some that are obviously crazy expensive, but even on the cheap end, toys now, so many times you can buy like a little $15 toy and it has like multiple hands in it and like... Mm-hmm. So much more variety over like the the Spider Man toys that I had, where like he'll bend at the waist, right. and like maybe his elbows will bend if you're lucky, but his feet aren't moving, his knees will move. But then you're just kind of stuck in whatever stock pose they kind of built him off of, and you got like right. a little bit of mobility beyond that. And nowadays, it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's funny. The, the, so the toys that I grew up on were these incredibly articulated toys, the Mego act ten yeah, you know, eight yeah, inch yeah, action yeah. figures, and Micronauts, and these things. You know, every single bit of their bodies was positionable. So, but I mean, I got to believe that they were so like their profit margin per piece was so low because there was like yeah. 32 pieces to assemble this one little three and a half inch tall figure. You yeah. Know, like I can't believe like it was too expensive and I, I get it. I get, you know, meanwhile, they're probably looking at the star Wars toys, which are just like the arms, you know, move and the legs <sighs> move and that's it. They're like, right we should make that. And then henceforth, everything was like that. Well, and like, so like GI Joe, right? GI Joe mm-hmm. for the longest time were these giant figures, but then the GI Joes I grew up with were these little right. plastic ones that were two pieces with a rubber band inside holding them together. Mm-hmm. And they were super movable because, you know, with the rubber band, they could flex really good. And then like their knees and stuff would bend. So, I mean, that, that was my experience. And I wouldn't even get like, the main GI Joe people, it would be like space commandos, some like random shit that they were like, it's still GI Joe, buy it. Uh, and you know, but you could get them for like, I don't know, seven bucks and have three figures. So I had a ton of those all the time. But, uh, like I still remember having like power Rangers toys where like their hands were like locked in that semi open cup (laughs) position, you know, and they would almost like be robot. That's how you'd have to move them. Um, but all right. So what, like, you know, I'm going to try to tie this into creativity. Sure. You know, a lot of people have toys, you know, mm-hmm. and kids are amazing at free association when it comes to coming up with things when they're, when they're young, but like that changes at certain points for, you know, certain individuals, but like people who sort of pursue creativity in the arts as, as their livelihood, I think there's an interesting connection that they have with things like toys. And, mm-hmm. and it's not so much I collect because like, you're like, I didn't really collect toys as a kid. As a kid you played with your toys. Oh, yeah. And like, same for me. Like, to me, these were opportunities to tell more stories. Yeah. And when I had my Spider-Man toys were always in, in, in like, they were always inside several adventures <laughs> any given mm-hmm. time. So, you know, my play style was very much me in my room. My, my parents, that was always my thing of like, then my, my mom will say like, we had to like convince you to come spend time with us because you were just so comfortable just hanging, like, you know, drawing or watching TV or whatever, uh, or playing with toys. And it would just be like, you know, I'd, I'd have, you know, 
something going on uh, with several figures. It would always be some issue. And, and like, I definitely remember there being a point where like, I'm doing this a lot later than my friends or several people are. And I know that, but I don't really care. Mm -hmm. And then a point where like, once I stopped, it seems like it's impossible to go back to it. And it just like, yeah. it's a bummer. And then I watch my kids and I'm like, man, I hope they just stay with this as long as possible because like once it's gone, it's gone. And, it, it, and you know, it does, it does evaporate. I remember, so there's these things called AFX cars and they're small HO scale race cars that had electric, an electrified track and you have a controller, fast, yes. so like slot cars, okay. but really small for your house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I played those as a kid and I was hanging out with my buddy in high school, junior, senior year. And I was in, we were hanging out in his room and he had a box in the closet. I'm like, oh, what's that? And he's like, oh, those are my AFX cars. I'm like, I still have those. So we set up a giant track in my basement, <laughs> like with multiple like power sources as 18 year olds. And we would spend our afternoons, evenings, whatever, when we weren't with friends, girlfriends, or jobs, we were down there playing for months. This went on. It was so bizarre, but like we both had this weird sort of like, like we both gave permission, like, okay, like we both still think this is kind of cool and right. we did it. It was yeah. very strange. Yeah. But now, but now you're kind of like, man, what a great few months. Like, oh where yeah. did that go? Yeah. I still have them. They're in a box. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, this ended up because my kid got her hands on it and brought it to me, but like right in front of my computer is an Optimus Primal that okay. is from, from my childhood. So I still have a few things too. Uh, yeah. and like, like toys, like, um, you know, it was just an added expense. So I didn't really buy them. Um, but like whenever I buy a figure, like they don't stay in a box, they end up out mm -hmm. posed and, you know, freestanding. Um, I don't, you know, I don't fault the people who, no, man, I, in that it, way, but I'm just not that you love? guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm much more like let me pose them in like maybe every few months I'll go in. I'll like let's let's refresh this a little bit and kind of sure. them, you know. And and honestly, every now and then it's great to be like, all right, for some reason this isn't clicking in my head. Let me grab this thing and use it for reference because mm -hmm. it's much better than any photo I'm going to be able to get because I can take my own damn photos from my own angles. Yep. And you know, like I've I, I've not been fortunate enough to get to draw a Power Ranger book, but you know. I would like Boom to know I'm I'm ready. Um, I've got you know twelve inch. I've got twelve inch figures of all the Mighty Morphin Rangers. I've got I've got ready to go. their, their helmets ready to ready to go. And I've got a yeah. giant die cast Zord that can break down <laughs> into the individual Zords. Um, that was like one of those big purchases, like with tax money, where it was like you know you get to do a stupid purchase, no questions mm -hmm. asked. I'm not going to guilt you about it. And I told her I was like as a kid. I always wanted the Megazord that Kenner put out. Um, I think it was Kenner. And like looking at it as an adult, it's like, this looks like trash. It doesn't even look screen <laughs> accurate. It's crazy proportions. It's so cheap. And then I saw that Bandai had put out like a really, really screen accurate one that's also very poseable and still goes from the combined robot to the individual robots. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like 250 bucks when it came out. <laughs> but the aftermarket had gotten a hold of it at this point, And it was like... Yeah. 650 when I first saw it and I was like, oh mm. man, one day. And then like a couple years later, it was like 800 and I was like, look, yeah. we got, we got a bunch of tax money, you mm -hmm. know, let me take like a fifth of it and just make this one stupid purchase and you can do the same thing. And then whatever's left, we're going to be really responsible with. 
And so to this day, she just calls that my dumb robot. Um, because like I spent like 800 bucks getting this robot, but I told her like, I'm not going to want it any less and it's mm-hmm. only going to get more expensive. Yeah. So for me, it's for just sure. like a thing of like, you know, I'll forever now have, cause I'm not the guy who's like, I'm going to sell this in 20 years. Like, no, I'm going to go to the grave with this robot. Yeah. You know, maybe my kids will sell bury, it. Bury me with the robot. Yes, bury me with the Zorg. She calls it a Zorg to, to mess with me. Zorg. Zorg. Nice. Yeah. I, li- I like her more and more. The more I hear yeah. this. Yeah. She's a pain in the ass. Um, we know each best. other. I, I met my wife when I was 12. 11. Oh, wow. We met in French class in seventh grade, 11. Um, yeah, we dated in high school for a while, split up for a few years and then came back together as adults. And we've been married now for 10 years, almost 11. Um, so, you know, if anyone knows the stupid shit in my head mm-hmm. and where to kind yeah. of needle me and, and can get away with it because she knew me when I was riding the bus as a little kid. Um, you know, it's, it's with a totally, Zorg in your pocket. Yeah. It's totally fair game for her to make fun of me for having my Zorg on a, on a giant bookshelf that I bought so that I can have them nice and, uh, organized. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like I have a, a Cheetor, like I didn't have the G1 transformers that had beast wars. So I've got, I've got a, a Cheetor toy that I got when I was like seven and it survived all these garage sales that, mm-hmm. you know, everything else, most of my other stuff got sold off on. I've got like one, <laughs> It's a Jeff Gordon NASCAR duffel bag because QVC had like this run of NASCAR duffel bags. And my grandmother was a huge QVC person and we were her only grandkids. So like and my Jeff brother, Gordon, she probably loved it, Jeff Gordon. I got Jeff Gordon. She got me Jeff Gordon. She got my brother Dale Earnhardt. Um, but Ooh. I've got one of those full of toys where most of those toys were from like the nineties from when I was little. And a few of them were from like my early teens, but everything else is, you know, it's gone. So I kind of look at mm-hmm. like, the few things I've managed to hold on to, it's kind of, you know, like that's kind of special to me. So like, I kind of hope my kids have those same things where, yeah, we might not keep everything. I hope not. Cause my kids have so many, so many more toys than I had as a kid, but like, I hope they kind of latch on to a few things of like, I've had this thing for 30 years. Yeah. You know, this thing well, should be important to me. They don't have, so what, what you didn't have, what I certainly didn't have, but what they have is they have, an ongoing um, cycle of new and mm. that's a cultural cycle of new. So they, yeah. so the, there's a burnt, there's a baked in level of burnt outness. Like, Hey, that was cool last year, but this year, this is the cool thing. And that like, you know, we had super friends and like we had to live with super friends for 15 years before I mean, something I was watching. Up. I was watching Super Friends reruns on Cartoon Network right. in like 99. Um, and, and you know, like that was way after they were produced, but it's just because the the glut of quote unquote content, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't to the level that it is now. No, I mean, that was no, right before no. the Justice League cartoon, you know, and then the Justice League cartoon came out and like raised the bar so high. Um, but yeah, I, merchandising as a whole, like even, you know, eighties and nineties were the start of mass merchandising, especially for kids toys. Um, but like you really, if you think about it, like it's so like kind of cute. It's what merchandising was like in the nineties. Exactly. It's just like, you know, you got your He-Mans and your transformers and, and some comic book stuff and like turtles everywhere, but that was about it. And now it's like freaking YouTube people have toys out and, Mm -hmm. 
things tied to app, you know, mobile games and regular yeah. games. And then, you know, Mario's all over the toy section, Sonic's all over the toy section, which when I was a kid, the Sonic toy I had was a freaking Happy Meal toy that was like a little puff of plastic smoke and a little plastic Mario, and a little Sonic that would stick into it and then you would press it and he would shoot out. There you go. And that, and that was that was the only Sonic toy I had as a kid. And it was exciting. And, and now they have like actual figures. So I'm always like, man, if I, I, it's so it's so cool. Like I wish that we'd had some of this stuff. And then the other hand of it is like, oh man, but they have too much. It's just like it's yeah. overwhelming the amount. And then the yeah, the churn, you know, is yeah. because it's the, I mean, it's it's the same model that they somebody clearly re- recognized. Oh wait a minute, the fashion industry lives on seasonal right. stuff. We need to Ever generate that as a newness. Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as we have For new sure. going, people will be into. So I'm going to tie this all together now with sure. a bow. You're going to love this. So like we were talking about earlier, the AT&T <laughs> sales rep job and how that benefits you as a, a, you know, as a creative, independent creative person. How do you feel playing with the toys benefits you as an artist? Um, in like a, a, a macro sense, uh, you know, like you said earlier, it was as much as drawing, it was a creative output at any given time, mm-hmm. um, you know, storytelling. And I was also the kid that when I would play with a toy, it wouldn't just be me sitting static. Sometimes I would get to a better angle. You know, um, because as I was playing, you know, I was seeing these things in my head. Um, and I, I think that probably really subconsciously shaped, you know, my natural inclination for storytelling, uh, Mm -hmm. in a visual sense, because that was a thing that like, before I'd even knew, you know, the industry term of like, oh, your storytelling skills are here, you know, how we break down an artist's skills uh, right? by term. I remember drawing some comics with a friend who wrote them when I was 14. And like, uh, he's a good friend of mine now, but the guy who ran our local shop was like, man, your storytelling is like pretty good for, you know, you basically being a little kid. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I have to imagine that that probably had a lot to do with it uh, on a subconscious yeah. level. Um, and, you know, I, I wish I played with them a little bit more. Maybe I'd be even better at drawing comics now if I could just like grab one of my seven Donatello's off that shelf uh, and, and sat down with the kids. Um, but yeah, I feel like it probably had a lot to do with just being creative and being visual uh, and, you know, having Spidey strike them cool poses. It all, it yeah. all, you know, worked its way back into this Venomverse thing. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. And so now I'm going to, I'm going to reveal the magic, the magic, uh, the secret magic spell okay. that they gave you, which you can now see what you want to do with it. They also not only gave you this sort of frame of reference with visual storytelling that you were, you know, recreating these images that you would see in cartoons or in comic books, and you could kind of, structure these your in your own mind and play these have these little stories you were writing stories you right. weren't sitting down with a pen and writing a story but you were creating stories right. you're creating narratives and in that process 
you were honing a skill that you weren't thinking about. And you may have had this like, I draw stuff. That's who I am. That's my identity, my identity. I draw stuff, but you were also writing stuff, just not in a, in a more formalized fashion. Right. So what I, what I, I'm giving you right now is you have the storytelling aspect. You can actually write these stories too. So don't be afraid of those because it's very hard to, I know from my personally of going like, Ooh, I draw these things. Like, I'm more, you know, because I was, you know, dialogue terrified me. You know, all yeah, the drawing's not scary. Writing is no, scary because you can Writing see all scary. your mistakes as you make them, and you can yeah. you can correct them. But when it's in a literal sense, it's very hard because you're trying to like, how do I communicate? But it's all there. It's just a matter of doing those sucky drawings that you did as a kid, but you got them out of your system when you were a kid. Yeah. So no one had expectations. But now yeah. that like you're an adult, people are like, well, you should know where to put a semicolon, you idiot. Like it, it's like all that kind of stuff. You, if you can just kick that out of your system and you can just take a crack at something, it doesn't have to be huge, just a thing and you do it. And then there's, you know, then you have that, that foothold into writing the stories that are sort of in you and have always been in you. Yeah, I definitely think uh, at some point it would be, I do have an interest maybe in, in at some point doing something as a sole mm -hmm. creator of something. Um, I'm not going to color it uh, because I've done that once where I went back and colored a book and it was soul crushing to do 20 pages of art and then go back to page one to start and another do process. And I was like, no, this is terrible. I want someone else to do this. I, I, I'm capable, but like, I just want just the uh the mental bandwidth of like let someone else worry about these decisions for you know color <laughs> yeah. temperature and all that stuff um but i do think that there would be a, like i would kind of like you know especially like being interested in comics in that mid to late 2000s when web comics were so big um you know i i've, I've had my moments of being like it'd be really cool to have like a web comic that i just did on my own mm -hmm. um and for now the bills have to be paid with the pencil. <laughs> um, Hell yeah, they do. But uh, I think once I got to a point where I can kind of make some broader decisions and have more of a, a safety net, I, I definitely am open to maybe co-writing with somebody and, you know, building something yeah, from the way, ground up. Work your way toward it. You know, don't like, don't, because it's discouraging when we have something in our head and our effort never, doesn't match it at the, yeah. the initial, the, that initial effort. And it's really easy to, you know, as you said earlier, grab your stuff and go yeah, yeah. versus Take like ball and go home. Yeah. stick, stick around and, and, and grit it out and fight, you know, and, and, you know, like you, like you said, like hustle, you got, you yeah. got, you got to hustle. You got to make that, you got to, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying make any uh, hasty uh, financial decisions in your life, but what I'm saying <laughs> is, you know, you, it doesn't cost you much money, if any, to sit and write out ideas on, on, on a notebook or in a computer on those hours or even on your phone while you're lying in the, on the couch on that Saturday morning while the kids are asleep. You can sit there and just write the ideas down. Yeah. And then you go, OK, at least I've got that thing there. Like I can go back to it. I can figure it out. I can kind of work on it and sculpt it and mess with it and eventually something might be there. Yeah. There, there may or be not, may not be some, uh, Southern crime things kicking around that Hell yeah. one day we'll see some, see the light of day. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, 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 it's very hard to encourage a writer to draw a comic book because the, the, the skill sets necessary to do that are seem seemingly impossible. Um, they're not, but they feel like they are, but it is a much easier task in conceit to put words down on a pa- piece of yeah. paper, um, and work the other direction. The labor intensive quality of trying to become a visual artist is, is, daunting uh, it's, it's it's incredibly hard yeah it's incredibly hard yeah yeah well we did it hey man this has been I, i've had a great time this has been a blast um i i absolutely absolutely enjoyed our talk and um tomorrow your book sure. hits the stands sure i'm, I'm very so, excited i'm gonna hit up some uh some last what's the title for it so people can it's extreme Venomverse number five Okay, sweet. And, um, yeah, Jason Lowe wrote it, um, and we had uh, KJ Diaz do colors, uh, and like I've I've seen the color proofs. I haven't seen any of the lettering yet, but um, it looks great. I'm really ha- I'm proud of it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping people like it, and and hopefully it's just you know step one of the process of seeing me more often. And it's your first job in the, ah, with the first with one. Big two. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a seven year overnight success. Uh, I know, you know. It's amazing. It's funny. Funny how that happens. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts from comedians and stuff. And that's kind of the thing, right? Like, oh, this new person. It's like, well, I'm not really like new. I'm new to you. But right. I've been out here grinding for a minute. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the first big two things that my distinguishing thing is it's my first big two work on shelves. Yes. There you go. There you go. Yeah. There's your, there's your, there's your marketing spin. You got yeah. it. You got it down. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's exciting and I'm super excited for you. I mean, your, your, your other, your other body work is, is really, really good. It's really enjoyable. I, you know, as you said, it's very clear and solid storytelling. So, you know, that's, that's all the bare minimum that you should expect for, you know, like a <laughs> high quality artist, like tell me a good story, you know? Yeah. Everything it's, else it's to me is what I try to hang my hat on is like, I, you know, I want to, I'm not necessarily the most inventive storyteller, but I, I want to be just like a solid, good, clean, clear storyteller. Yeah. Well, you're doing a great, you're doing a great job. And clearly if the, the big two are now talking with you and hiring you, these are the, this is the direction that you, you know, you know, the road that you're walking. I think that's super exciting. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I can't wait for you to announce what you want to announce. You and me both, man. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I will, I will make sure that, you know, everybody follow Gavin, go to, go to the, the, the Instagram or Twitter link below following him. And cause he will have an announcement and it's a worthy announcement. I'm easy to find. I'm just Gavin Gidry. The only thing weird about it now is that there is a freshman LSU baseball player who's named Gavin Guidry. And I swear to God, there were so many moments as a kid where I was like, that's never going to happen because Gavin's not a super common name. And Guidry is a very specific location, specific name. Turns out there's like five of us. And one of us now is going to be the most famous out of all of us. And it's not going to matter what I do in the rest of my career. I can't compete with an MLB baseball player. Hard Uh, to. And LSU just won the national championship and he threw out, he threw the last out. So, you know. But did uh, he draw elongated man? I don't think he did. I don't think find he did. Out. He better not. He better not come for my crown. I'm gonna knock him out. 
Yeah, there you go. Um, but but yeah, so outside of my SEO being blown up by the other Gavin Gidry, I'm definitely, as far as I know, the only Gidry in comics and and the only Gavin Gidry you're going to see for a hot minute. Uh, and thankfully, he'll, I beat he'll, be Gavin Gid- he'll be Gavin Gidry baller. Well, thankfully, I got all of the official Gavin Gidry stuff. GavinGidry.com. Yes. Lock me, it all down. Twitter, Instagram, it's all me. So, Lock yeah. it all down. And if he becomes the biggest pitcher in MLB, then you make all the money when you sell all that stuff over to him and just become Gavin Gidry yes. art. Yeah. How interested would you be in having this domain name? <laughs> all of yes. them. The domain, domain. I'll give you all of it. hundred <laughs> percent. All right. I really appreciate friend, you, man. Yeah. No, this is, this is an absolute joy. And, um, uh, until next week.